This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. They have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And, and the Bernabeu brings it back! I haven't, I haven't got a problem with soccer, to be fair. Football. Football. Oh, what a start! What I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. Hello everybody and welcome to House of Champions and we have such a lot to get through after the latest round of World Cup quarterfinals. Absolute mayhem. Lionel Messi's Argentina have booked their place in the semifinals. Neymar's Brazil haven't. It's Croatia who are advancing instead. I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by Nigel Riococo, Mike Lahoud and Luis Lucho Garcia to pick through it all. Guys, I mean, where to start? It's you know, this was absolutely wild. Lucho, what 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 do you make of this? Just hugely dramatic scenes, not just uh, in Argentina, Netherlands, but uh, Brazil, Croatia as well. Both games going to penalties. Yeah, I'm still shivering. Uh, it's been so exciting. Um, I had Brazil, to be honest, uh, on my schedule, my bracket, and um, it's a pity not to, to see them. I think they, they have an amazing squad but uh, they didn't know how to compete at the moment against Croatia that we've been talking about that they have quality but they were to call this that kind of players that then maybe they don't perform well in the in the top occasions but they did today and um, same with Argentina at the end they know how to compete these games is to 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 get ready to to play the game to win the game and Argentina once again even though in penalties they know how to do it what games, what games. Wow. Uh, couldn't believe what I saw today. But I think just to say what Lucho, to add to what Lucho say for me is when you say to young kids that hard work beats talent if talent doesn't work hard. And I feel that that's the best way to describe what we saw in that Brazilian-Croatia game today. That was what I saw in that game. And then we just obviously watched the Argentina versus Holland game and what great courage the Dutch showed to get back into the game and it was theirs for the taking. But one thing I must say is, like you say, Argentina do have Lionel Messi. When you have Lionel Messi, you have that extra bit on top. But I've seen, I've seen some great vulnerabilities now in this Argentinian side. So any team watching, you've seen how vulnerable Argentina can be with a big striker and a physical presence <coughs> up front, long diagonal balls, they will struggle. 
I think anyone who isn't Argentinian, who isn't Brazilian, who isn't Croatian, who isn't Dutch, this was a feast and a gift for you. This is what the World Cup is about. This is the beautiful game. This is what makes the game beautiful, the drama, the entertainment. I mean, I'm pretty sure my neighbors were going to call the cops with how much I was screaming end-to-end stuff, pacing down. The dogs were barking, JJ. And you know, we met in Paris. You know when I raised my voice. Please, that please, is when t- please tell scary. me that you were screaming the most when Leandro Paredes got knocked <laughs> to the floor by Van Dyke. Oh, man. I was ringing the bell like WWE when Van Dyke stood over him. I thought that was going to be a potential red card, at least a yellow. But this was just – this is the stuff that World Cups are made of. And every team, even Brazil, Croatia – both games, every team left it out there and we were treated to a football festival today. Yeah, absolutely. We were. And I think it's only really when tournaments get to this point as well that you really start to be sucked in. You 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 get absorbed in these games. I mean, I certainly was glued, uh, you know, to, to both of these games, uh, you know, certainly from extra time onwards for Brazil, Croatia, but pretty much all the way through, especially in that second half uh, between Argentina and the Netherlands. It was just, you know, it, it was almost attritional at times. And then when you have the high drama of that, uh, that, that free kick, uh, you know, the, which the Netherlands equalized with last kick of the game. Uh, you know, it's just an incredible, but Nigel, I wanted to get your thoughts first. Now there was a lot of debate earlier with Neymar stepping up. Well, was slated to step up later to take a penalty for Brazil. Lionel Messi put himself up first. Obviously there was a lot of debate about why Brazil let it let, would leave Neymar until one of the last kickers. Uh, Lionel Messi obviously, uh, you know, wanted to lead by example. Do you think that shows, you know, a, a strength of character from the from the Argentine captain to step up in that scenario. Because let's face it, that is pretty deflating to be 2-0 up against the Dutch, to have the stuffing knocked out of you, the last kick of the game, and then to look the better side again, you could argue an extra time, and then still have to go to the, the trauma of penalties. Yeah, I think for me, uh, JJ, it's just basically, as, as they say, well, it's funny saying, with great power comes great responsibility. And I feel when you look at the other way, I think Lionel Messi knows the responsibility that comes with it. And he knows he is the leader of this Argentinian side. And it's the same reason why you saw Van Dijk step up for the Dutch team first. So it's taking that responsibility as captain, as the person that's always going to be under the microscope to set the standard, to set the the way forward, so to speak. I think when you compare it to Neymar's situation... We're not, we're not looking at a fully fit Neymar. We're not looking at a fully confident Neymar, which is for me the reason why probably Neymar didn't step up because I don't think he's fully at 100%, even though you'd still take a Neymar at 70%. But with what comes with it, he didn't step up. But I think for me, what Messi did is what's expected. You know, he didn't want no questions asked. He wants to show the commitment. He wants to get the belief in his teammates. And he took that responsibility well and uh, dispatched his, his penalty very well. I think what we really saw is just a, a difference in preference. Neymar wants to be that focal point, but you don't you're not guaranteed that when you go fifth. In the Olympics, he went fifth. Previous PK shootouts, he wants to go fifth, that deciding penalty kick, but you're not, you're not guaranteed that when you do that. Messi, his track record is going first. Going back to the World Cup in 2014 against this very Dutch national team, he went first. Copa America final against Brazil, he went first. Lionel Messi, he wants to go first, and I applaud that. I want my best PK takers to be in that front three, and then it leaves nothing to chance. Exactly what I think. At the end, you need to give the confidence to the rest of the players. And um, I'm going to go back to 2005 Champions League final. First, uh, for us, it was uh, you need to try to give 
the players who got the most confidence first and maybe one to keep it at the end. We we kept uh, Steven Gerrard to the fifth and there was no chance. Thanks, I mean, thanks for us. <laughs> that yeah, exactly. The, everything went right in the in the way that we 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 wanted or we expected, and 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 we didn't need uh, Steven Gerrard to score that that penalty. But for Argentina was let's score the first one, let's score the second one, and let's see how it goes. For Brazil, it was about that momentum, that Lautaro momentum, the the one that you give the all the importance. If Neymar scores the fifth one and and make uh, Brazil go through, it's like the big momentum. That's why Neymar is here. And sometimes we forget that you need to arrive to this fifth uh, champ uh, to to this fifth penalty. You need to score the first one, second one, third one, the fourth. So at the end, you need to give that um, that confidence to the rest of the players, starting from the player who is with the most confidence. I think Argentina understood very well that Messi is the first one, scored the first one, give the, the confidence to the rest of the players and go on from that one. Lucho, uh, Mike, I've got a question for you, especially more so Lucho, because I know he wants, once he gets his manager's job, Mike, we might get assistant roles. We don't know. We'll see. Lucho, you played the game. You've been in these type of situations. You've seen so much. You've seen how science has impacted the game now and technology. If you were a manager in that situation, let's just say World Cup final or World Cup semi-finals, and it goes to penalties, do you go and ask your players who are confident and who wants one? Or do you go, if you've been training every day in penalties and you go with the ones who scored every penalty, what would be the path that you pick as a manager? Would you just ask for who's confident and wants it? Or would you go for the system that you've put in place already? Yeah, great question. And I, I will go, listen, the other day there was a lot of people uh, mentioning about uh, Luis Enrique because he picked the, th the three that he was more confident about it because they were very good on penalties because they got more experience and they and he left too open to see the players who have more confidence you know as I know that when you are on the field and you feel confident you had a few good minutes or, or a good game and you feel so confident you grab the ball and that helps you so much in this kind of occasion so I will go for the ones who get uh, got more, more confidence the one who feel better mm. on the field the ones who who has been involved into the game and have this feeling of confidence. I think that is very important because it doesn't matter how much you've been practicing before. It doesn't matter if you had 100 penalties uh, taken before on, on practice because when you are in front of that kind of situation, it's totally different. The emotions, the feeling, the, the, your body, the, 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 the atmosphere is totally different. You cannot replay that one on a training ground. You cannot replay that one on a friendly game. It's totally different. So that's why I think that is a, if a player got confidence on the game, is feeling all right, let's go for that one. But it doesn't matter if he's a striker, a midfielder, or, or even a keeper. If he's had a good, a good game, I would go for it. Let's allow them to believe on that one because the confidence is the one who is going to um, make them uh, have a good penalty. Yeah, I agree with that, Lucho. I've seen it go both ways. I've seen teams go with designated PK takers and it's worked. I've seen it backfire, but I will always trust the manager who reaches out to his players because things change. Within the 90 minutes, confidence change. It ebbs and flows. And, and the physical nature of the game, <clears throat> if you're a player who is a designated PK taker going into a knockout route game like this, there might be something, a tweak in a the muscle. There might be a lack of confidence. Maybe you're exhausted that now you're being depended on in a way you may not be able to deliver. And it's, it's also down to the player to be honest with the manager. I will never, as a former player, I will never have any qualms with any teammate 
who comes up and says, hey, I'm just not feeling it. I'd much rather have someone who is going to step up, whether they make it or miss it. I'd much rather have them with that confidence of saying, I'm willing to live with the results no matter what happens. Yeah, let me let me say something else. Uh, sorry, JJ. Uh, let me say that, for example, for my experience back in 2005, during the game, normally it was uh, or Didi Haman or Steven Gerrard, the one who were taking the penalties. And during the game, we had the last third penalty that uh, it was during the game. And it was Xavi Alonso, the one in charge, not Steven Gerrard, that it was uh, weird even for the players who were involved. And Xavi Alonso missed the penalty and put the penalty into the goal right after uh, Dida saved the penalty against AC Milan. During the penalty shootout, he wasn't even in charge of one of the penalties because... Uh, Rafa Benitez understood that he was a very young player who went through a very tough situation, a very complicated situation, and didn't want to put him through to that again. So he wasn't even involved. He was the player who took the penalty during the game, but he wasn't in the, in, involved into the five penalties who were in the shootout. So that shows that the mentality, the moment is very important when you have to go and take one of those penalties. Interesting enough, penalty kicks is part of this rivalry between the Dutch and Argentina. And Argentina, the last few PK shootouts they've been involved in, it's been triumph for them. I want to take you back to Copa America. Three players involved in that Copa America final in PK shootouts today. Lionel Messi steps up, dispatches it. Paredes makes his, and Lautaro Martinez. I think this was a big moment for him, a player whose World Cup hasn't really gone to script. He had to get that penalty kick, and he had to dispatch it. I think his confidence, and Martinez is a player you can catch on Paramount Press in Serie A action with Inter Milan, but he's a player who now, I wonder how this PK shootout, that decisive penalty kick, how it impacts his confidence. Will he step up? Because if Argentina are going to win, the World Cup, he will have to be more of a factor when he comes off the bench. Yeah, absolutely. I was tweeting actually during the game that I don't think there's too many players uh, like uh, Lautaro Martinez who have done as much to depreciate from their price tag. Normally, players go to the World Cup to raise their value. It seems like Martinez, up until that penalty, has done everything that he could to knock a few million off it. But anyway, I do have a question for you guys. We've had some fantastic drama uh, so far. And by the way, guys, keep your comments coming. I've seen some of them dropping in already, mostly about how penalties are, you know, at the end of the day, luck of the draw, complete lottery. Uh, you know, so keep them coming. It's always great to, to hear from you guys and, uh, and get a bit of interaction going with you. Now, question... Uh, uh, Mike first, uh, then Lucho, then Nige. We've seen a lot of matches going to penalties, uh, you know, in the last uh, couple of games, and we've seen goalkeepers excelling as well. What, in your opinion, is that down to? Is that down to perhaps teams not practicing penalties as much anymore, so the takers not being, uh, you know, as ready for this kind of situation, or is it that goalkeepers are getting mm. smarter? They're they're better drilled now than they have been in the past, and that's why we're seeing more saves made. Mike, oh, you're up uh, first. I think it's down to the goalkeeper to have a successful PK shootout. You have to have a quality goalkeeper and there's different goalkeepers. They're just made for PK shootouts. A guy, you know, very well, JJ, Emmy Martinez, man. Oh man. You could see his eyes just glisten. He knew before the first PK was taken, he was going to be the PK hero. Martinez makes the decisive shot, but it's Emmy Martinez, the other Martinez with the gloves on, that I think is the real hero. He gives Argentina a bit of an edge now, knowing that they have a guy who was made for this sort of moment in the semifinals and potentially if they face PKs in the finals. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, it's more, <clears throat> excuse me, it's more about the keeper than the player. 
It's very difficult. It doesn't matter if you practice. And we talked about this uh, quite uh, a few times uh, in the previous shows. When you arrive to these kind of moments, you cannot practice before. You can try with your keeper. You can try and, and, and do different stuff. But at the end, if the keeper knows when it arrives to these kind of moments, you have to try it on yourself. And yourself is, I want to pick the, the, the place that I, I'm more confident. For example, if I'm a left-footed, my, I know that my right side foot is the one I'm going to try because it's my the normal side that I will pick because it's the one that I go more confident. It's the perfect shoot that I'm going to have. So if I got the atmosphere uh, against me, if I, I'm, I'm under pressure, if I feel that kind of roller coaster of emotion through me, the one that I'm going to pick is that one. And the keeper knows that one because normally keepers on these days, back 20 years back or 15 years back, everybody knew about... Um, uh, the players, what what kind of uh, penalty they want to have because you got the the, the, the keeper, coach, or the, yeah, the way that you want to call it. They give you those stats about the player you're going to face. He's going to put it here in the, in the near post, right, near post, left, higher or downer or down, uh, further down. It doesn't matter where, but they will tell you, they will give you those tips so the keeper knows exactly where are you going to pick. Once you're there, you know that if it's a right footer or left footer, it's gonna try one place. There are not many key and not, not many players that, like Lionel Messi or Neymar, that they're gonna arrive to the last moment and chase the penalty and move depending on what the keeper. So at the end, it goes to pick the one of the sides. It's a left footer, I'm gonna go to my left. It's a right footer, I'm gonna go to the right. So keepers know everything about the players gonna take the penalties. If they go 100% to the to the to decide that they, that they think that the penalty is going to take, they're going to save it because the atmosphere creates that moment and it's very difficult to handle this kind of situation. Today, once again, we've seen it. Martinez has been outstanding. He knew exactly where the penalties were going to go. But if the penalty goes very near the grass or higher up, you're, gonna, you're not going to save it. But they were to the perfect high for the, for the keeper to save so if the keeper goes to that side, he's going to save it. Very difficult to handle, and Martinez today was fantastic. So, yeah, I have to give a lot of credit of today's keepers. Just a quick yeah. one. Before, what Lucho and Michael forget, forgot to add to this conversation was the fact is goalkeepers are now about six foot something. When we were playing, goalkeepers were big, but they weren't that yeah. big. Now <laughs> goalkeepers are getting big, <laughs> which does help a lot. Yeah, and well, obviously with uh, with with Messi scoring, we've got you know we're we're going to have a lot of the the narrative about him leading Argentina to the semi-finals to enjoy from the next few days. But somebody we're bidding farewell to now at this tournament, unfortunately, is Louis Van Gaal. You know, I feel he's been one of the really uh, you know the the most vibrant characters so far in Qatar. You know, his press conferences have been you know difficult to miss. He's had some great quotes, and you can see that you know there is a real camaraderie that he's managed to forge uh, within the within the Dutch ranks. Nigel, I'm going to come back to you. Uh, you know, have you got anything you want to say about Van Gaal and what you've noted about? You know, not only the, the 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 Dutch performance at this tournament, but sort of the relationship that that he's managed to build up with the national team, because it could be the last time that we see him in a in a managerial role. We don't know what the future will hold. We obviously know that he's battling health issues. There's been some rumours that he might be approached for the Belgium job, but you know, this may well uh, have been his final dance. I think for me, what I've seen from him outside looking in, he's shown how much of a good manager he is, really and truly. He's shown what he's capable of. He's shown the the human nature of himself, you know, not looking at himself 
with an arrogant perspective as some of the top managers do, but a lot more humble and grounded uh, and, and approachable. Um, he's a teacher, not just about football, but he comes across a teacher of life as well. And the way that the Dutch players have kind of uh, become drawn to him and actually following him as a leader and listening to him and taking his tactics on board just shows what kind of a manager he is. I think for me, the only criticism I can give him is from when you look at today's game and you look at how well I felt the Dutch did for periods, but you look at the big change when you bring on Luke de Jong, I would have thought that that would have been a player that he brought on earlier or maybe even started to work on the differences in the size of athleticism between the Dutch players and the Argentinian players. I think the Dutch were a complete different team when Luke Dion come on, having a target man, long balls. Argentina completely struggled to be able to handle that. And I think that for me was a game changer where maybe if he'd have done it a bit more earlier, then um, that could have been a big difference. But I think for me, he's a great manager. He's one of the, the good ones that people should look up to and respect and admire. And uh, hopefully he stays involved in football. But as we know, your your health is your wealth and we wish him well with anything that he's going through. I was glad to see him back involved in football because I don't think his time at Manchester United was the best representation of him if this was going to be the end of his career before this World Cup. It was a torrid time. It was a torrid way to go out. So to do it with a national team, to do it in an environment where he's been successful in the past, to do it in his home country, I think that was significant. I think this is a World Cup with his legacy. I think his legacy is restored, and I'm excited to see the young players, the Cody Gakpos, who are going to really, really benefit from having a manager, having the experience of a manager like Van Hall. I was a bit disappointed that Angel Di Maria didn't step up to take one of the PKs because there was much made about their back and forth relationship. And I, I loved Van Hall's reaction to it. It summed up his reaction to a lot of adversity and any adversity the Dutch team had in this World Cup, which was your best managers, they take the pressure off. They put the pressure on themselves and they allow their players to be themselves. The Dutch in the group stages, they didn't represent themselves to the full capacity that they could. Memphis Depay wasn't fully fit. He grew into the World Cup. But I think that game against the U.S. men's national team and the U.S. men's national team, they can hold their held, their head high because at the end of the day, they were outcoached by a veteran coach in Van Hall. His tactical acumen, the adaptability that he showed against Argentina, and Nigel, you had said, I'm not sure why he didn't start Luke de Jong. I applaud him for even having the wherewithal to be adaptable. You're not going to get it right. It's all hindsight now that we say, ah, that De Jong came in, Waghorst came in, changed the game. The willingness to say, you know what? It's not working. Let's go to what we know. Let's use our physical capabilities. Launch the ball in the box. Play for knockdowns. I think it's class. To have the guts to call that play, that is Louis van Hall in a nutshell. That is Louis van Hall that I remember watching at Bayern Munich, at Ajax in the early 90s. He will go down as one of the best coaches in World Cup history, I think. Yeah, in the late 90s, I have to tell you, I had the chance of, uh, of being coached by him when I was very, very young, 19, 20 years old. And I was in his um, um, uh, pre-season tour when we were used to go to Holland. And it was very tough, I have to tell you. For the young guys, it was very tough. But um, to, until today, I have so much uh, appreciate about him because um, uh, he was a coach that uh, was pushing us to the young players when we were uh, back in, in the Barcelona B team. 
pushing us so much, trying to make it understand that we needed to increase our levels of fitness, our levels of tactics, our level of technique, because he, he wanted always to, to have the ball uh, under our knees. You have to give a, ball, a pass or give a, a, a chance to the, to the teammate, trying to bring the ball back quicker and faster as anyone. And you have to increase the, your level. So it was just fantastic. And I've seen the way that he's been changing in, uh, uh, through the years. Now he's closer to the, to the players. Uh, he likes to talk to the players. We've seen him, the, how the relationship uh, with his players has been getting better and better. Players are talking better about him. And that's something that he has learned, even though that during his career, he's been very, very tough about the way that he was managing the players. So I think he understood that he needed to be closer to them. And now you can see that players were talking nice about him, were talking good about his tactics. And well, I think he learned through all the years about trying to be uh, successful in, in, in your team. It's not only about being tough, but you need the, your players to understand what is needed to be done. So, yeah, nicely done what he's done in the in the past few few years, but today it wasn't enough to to go through. I think what Nigel Riokoko was trying to say earlier was enough of the total football and more, you know, Route One Burnley style. Get Vic Hoss no, on no, and no, in no, the no. game. <laughs> no, 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 JJ. Are you, are you sure? Are you sure I'm, I'm just saying. Listen, he's a ta- he's a he's a tactical. He's one of the best managers when it comes to tactics. I just feel at times you look at it. When you look at Argentina's back four, they're not the biggest. If you have a striker that's six foot something, go direct, mix it up. I think there's a lot of criticism, not criticism, but there's a lot of things that we could say about some of these teams in the World Cup, which we're going to get onto. But I feel if you go back old school, things will change and open up. I know the game's changed a bit. Everyone wants to play total football, but sometimes you could, there's more than one way to win a football match, JJ. And when we get back to talk about Brazil, I'll explain myself. Okay. All right. Well, we'll tie a ribbon around the Netherlands uh, against uh, against Argentina now, uh, and we will move on to to Brazil against Croatia after a short break. Okay. Picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H track all wheel drive and three row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, don't stop watching the world's best soccer. Stream every match of the UEFA Champions League live on Paramount+. Plus. It's soccer's ultimate annual competition, not for country, but for club. Sign up today for 50% off of an entire year using the code allyear at paramountplus.com slash sports. Welcome back, everybody. It's been a dramatic day so far, and we've just been discussing the Netherlands against Argentina and the fallout after that. Had some lovely words for, for Louis van Gaal. Now, 
before we get into Croatia against Brazil, Lucho, I just wanted to get a quick word from you because it's not only been Van Hal's uh, last dance, it's also been Luis Enrique's as well. He's been replaced by Luis de la Fuente at the head of the Spanish team. And in fact, it was a very, very swift change. I think there was an hour between the Spanish Federation announcing Enrique's departure and de la Fuente's promotion because, of course, he was coaching uh, at youth level. Is this, uh, is this a smart move for La Roja? Well, at the end, it's, it's about uh, trying to keep the same idea of Luis Enrique without maybe the, the, the personality of the character of Luis Enrique. There's been a lot of controversy about Luis Enrique handling the social media, handling interviews, press conferences. People wasn't maybe up to uh, his way of talking. And uh, now you're going to bring um, uh, De La Fuente that maybe doesn't have the same... A background as a football player, of course, or maybe doesn't have the same background as a coach because you've been always coaching under 18, under 19, under 21 of uh, like it's right now. Well, not anymore, but uh, it was uh, no longer ago uh, for the national team, Spanish national team. But definitely they, they're going to try to bring the same idea. He knows perfectly all the under 23 uh, from the first team. He's been with them for quite a long time. So the idea is try to continue with that. Plus um, the, the players who are in the best moments from the coming months, because the first game I think is going to be March, getting ready for the Euro qualification, Euro 2024. So that's the idea, to try to bring on the same the same idea and the same identity. We'll see if he changed a lot, but I don't think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be like that. So we'll see more about what we've seen uh, in, the, in this World Cup but um, probably with more experience. And I think that uh, that's the idea. Two quick questions for you, Lucho. First one, do you think Luis Enrique tried to reinvent the wheel, tried to be too different in the sense of all these media stuff on Twitch and just tried to be too yeah. different, which didn't help? And secondly, is it more so about the manager of Spain or is it that Spain need to change the coaching dynamic in the sense of the players that they're producing? Because do you feel that Spain are producing two similar players, which is becoming too easy for other nations now to play against Spain? Yeah, great questions, Nigel. I think that the, the first one is what, what the, the idea of Luis Enrique trying to do the these Twitch sessions or try to... I think it was because you cannot forget that you have a new... First of all, new generation. You want to bring on onto the this national team to the new generation. And there are 16... Uh, onwards until 23 that they are using Twitch, YouTube, all these kind of platforms to, to try to watch football, to try to follow football. You want to bring on to the national team all those generations that they are not maybe willing to watch for 90 or 120 minutes uh, football. And you know that that's a big concern for football going forward, <clears throat> that the new generation, they are not going to take to a long uh, watch of football 90 minutes or something. I think it was Gerard Piquet, the one who was talking about that maybe it was just a lot to watch for 90 minutes. And second idea is that for me, I think he was trying to take away a lot of pressure from the uh, from these players to try to, again, remember seven, eight players, they were under 21. That's a lot of pressure. If you want to put all the situation, all the pressure, all the anxiety, all the emotions on the players of uh, this and the 21, 19, 18, 21, 22, that's a lot. So he wanted to put all that spotlight on him. I'm the manager, I'm the leader. If something happens, just go against me. 
So that's why I think that he was doing all these kind of Twitch session and stuff. And the rest, uh, the idea of uh, Spain going forward, we need to change. That's for sure. We need to change and bring on more players that they are physically stronger. That's something that I've been talking about it for the past two years. We need to bring um, stronger players, faster players, and bring on the players who were more decisive arriving in the last third. We were we are talking that we don't have any more Fernando Torres, we don't have any more Villa, we don't have any more Raul, we don't have any more Butragueños. Generation of players that in front they can make, they can be decisive, they can be, they can capitalize the the, the chances. So. I think that at the moment, we don't have that anymore. Mm. We don't have the play. I mean, the most exciting players in the last game, it was that right uh, right side, uh, Nico Williams. And he's 18 years old. And you put everything on a player who needs to be players 1v1 and put crosses. We need more players like this one. Oh, come on, Lucho. You've been there, done that. It's okay. Once you cross that white line, your age don't matter. But what I like, Lucho, is you've just basically said Spain is soft. I like that. Lucho. I like <laughs> no, no, it's, but no, but it's true. I mean, for me, I mean, when you see France, Germany, England, uh, uh, Brazil, even though they, they are out, or Argentina, uh, not even Argentina, not that much, even though they, they went through. But we don't have that player that can capitalize any single chance. Or the, by their own, they can make something different. We don't have that anymore. We don't have that player who turn around, shoot from outside the box and put that in the top corner. We don't have that. So it's up to, yeah, passing and make a, a fantastic combination and then happen. But if you are in front of a, of a team that is well-organized and disciplined, it's going to be very difficult. We don't have that Mbappé. We don't have that Neymar. We don't have that Messi that in one split of second, just score a goal. We don't have that anymore. And we need to continue working on players who come from from nowhere, players who can be unpredictable. That's my 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 opinion. That's my idea. And that's why I think that Spain, at this moment, we cannot win a, a, a big trophy because we don't have that kind of players who can make the difference. See, you guys just got a whiff of Nigel Riococa's shithousery streak. I'm, I'm reliably informed that now we're off the HQ simulcast we're allowed to use words hey. like that. It's like the seatbelts off sign in, uh, in an airplane. We but uh, we, we've, we've actually loose. got a comment as well. Speaking of uh, Nigel's crazy <clears throat> side, William Eustace says, wow, Riococa was going to Wimbledon games when you first came on the scene and you stood out. I, I assume that's ah. a positive thing. <laughs> that a big no, enough, great. He, can, he can probably yeah. hear me in the stands. Remember, women didn't have that many fans. It was uh, one man and his dog were our fans. So he could hear me shouting and telling everyone what to do. Oh, great, to, great to have you guys chipping in with your comments. Keep them coming in. And we will move the chat along uh, slightly now and get into the main meat of the second game. Well, the first game, actually, of the two. Croatia against Brazil now. I mean, I, I kind of feel a bit weird talking about Croatia as underdogs. At the end of the day, they were beaten finalists in 2018. You know, they're not mugs on, on the international stage. I mean, you look at everything they've achieved since 1998, and it's incredible. I mean, for such a relatively small country compared to some of the other nations, bigger nations that they go up against. Uh, Mike, I'm going to come to you first. Would Croatia reaching another final be the greatest underdog achievement in World Cup history? I mean, it's, is it really even fair to call them underdogs given what they managed to achieve on such a, a consistent basis? Absolutely. You look through this team, they have world-class players. Luka Modric is a world-class player. And I think Brozovic on his day can be world-class. Their midfield is the heart and soul of this team. But I love, just like last World Cup, different players are stepping up to become 
unsung heroes, and they have an unsung hero between the sticks and their goalkeeper. I want to issue an apology to the Croatian national team. I was sitting on this, and you know, my wife told me this right after the game. She or after our show, last show we did, she said you should have been on Croatia. Like Croatia's <laughs> going to win this game. So, as you married guys know, she was right. I was wrong. And also, sorry, Croatia. I said you had no chance in hell. I said you wish you had the depth of the Brazilian national team. And I look like a mug, not you, me. Now that that's over with, I'm applauding this Croatian national team. I'm not ready to jump on the full on bandwagon just yet, but I do appreciate what I see from them. Game management is their strength. That midfield core, how they managed this game against Brazil. That was first class. That is the experience from the 2018 World Cup. As long as you have experience in your back pocket, that can take you further than having raw talent can. Did they have more talent than Brazil today? Absolutely not. But they were more cohesive and they had more experience and when to be effective when it mattered most. I'm not going to dwell too much on it, Mike. I think uh, you put in some great points there. I think for me, the big thing about Croatia is I think it's that it's that experience. That's the biggest word when you look at Croatia. That experience, the intelligence. This is the first test that Brazil were going to face. And we did say that. I called it to be a tight game. I couldn't see Brazil losing because of the talent they had. And I look like a mug just like Michael too. But this is goes to show. Hard work will beat talent if talent doesn't work hard. And that's what I saw today. But for me, take nothing away from Croatia. They are a phenomenal team, intelligent football players. And the way they destroyed Brazil for me was in that midfield area how they moved the ball. And you could see the respect that Brazil showed them because Brazil didn't press at the same high intensity as they did against South Korea. And when Croatia moved that ball one, two touch in that midfield area, Brazil were lost. And that's how you do it. So they're showing a bit of a blueprint how to play against these top sides. And I guarantee as much as Argentina has gone through, Argentina know they've got a real tough task with this Croatia team because the Croatia team have the capability to play football and can also be direct and can be physical. And they have got just as much talent as Argentina. And I think this is a perfect matchup because in Argentina, you have Messi and in Croatia, you have Modric. So that for me is just a perfect matchup when you look at this match. But in the Brazil perspective, I would say that Brazil let themselves down. I think this is a massive, massive shock for Brazil for the talent that they have for not being able to get the job done. For me, yes, Neymar got the goal. But I would question, would you have kept him on or would you have taken him off? Because for me, Neymar did not look 100% throughout the game. And he's a liability when it comes to pressing when you play Neymar, when in such a big game. And I would question the, the, the substitutions made. Yes, you've got the luxury of bringing on Rodrigo. You're bringing on Pedro as well from Flamengo. My biggest thing is this, and I want to know what Lucho thinks. I think the biggest impact player that they should have brought on that they didn't bring on is Martinelli. I think Martinelli is a bigger yeah. impact player than Anthony. And I, I'm not a big Anthony fan because for me, he looks to deceive because he gets on the ball, but does he really beat a player? Does he go to the byline? I don't think any of the Brazilian players did that. They, they became so predictable and going in, but with the likes of Martinelli, which goes back to what you were just speaking about, uh, about the Spanish team and the players they need to produce, mm -hmm. that is a Martinelli. And I feel he could have had a bigger impact in this game Take nothing from Croatia. I think they deserve it. It's a big shock. I don't think anyone predicted that. And uh, what do you think, Lucho? 
Yeah, we can we can call them uh, that horse because I'm sure that in the beginning of the competition, no one was talking about Croatia to arrive to semifinals. We can give them a lot of credit because they were a good team. They were experienced. You will uh, well said, uh, Nigel. They got so much experience. They got talent because today, Kramaric, Perisic, um, and uh, uh, Pasalic, they were not mm-hmm. the best up front, but definitely you know that when they are on the ball, they can make the difference. Not today. But they work, they can make the difference. But definitely, if Brazil goes ahead of you, the first thing that you have to do is listen. Let's hold on. Let's get at the back. Have a look to the to the score. Have a look all the time, and let's handle this situation the proper way. You cannot be Brazil and decide to go for to go to, to keep the same way. You score the goal in the hundred and fifth minute, and let's keep normal. Let's keep doing the same because we are Brazil, and we're gonna gonna continue doing the same. Because if you see the goal, you can say you can understand that that midfield didn't track back. That midfield didn't work as properly as they should. You allowed Croatia to believe. You allowed Croatia to continue following. This Croatia was all done after Neymar's goal. But you allowed them to believe. And that's something that cannot happen. You cannot happen into the game and giving a call to the manager, say, listen, if you are the manager, listen, let's make a change, you score a goal, and let's put this be- to this game to bed. And they didn't do that. Croatia is a team that uh, believes. They, they they got quality. And you guys have been talking about the, the midfield. They have so much quality, so much experience in that midfield. And today, they were the, the, the core of this team. They were the heart of this team. And they are 100 years old between the three of them. <laughs> but at the end, that kind of experience, in, mo- in tough moments, it comes out. And it shows that they can... They can produce good performances. And I think that at the end, I'm not talking about penalties because penalties are different, different thing. But during the game, you allow them to believe. And these teams are, you, they need only just a little bit. And we've seen in, in the previous game, if you allow them to believe just a little bit, they will handle the game. They will control the game. They will do what these needs in, in, the, in, in those minutes. And today, once again, they needed a goal and they have that goal. Even when they looked that they were all done. So, at the end, it's about knowing what to do in every moment. And that experience that Modric, Kovacic, Brosnitz have, that's something special. And, well, we'll see how how, how far they can uh, go. Uh, they go to semifinals right now. And probably if you I ask you, listen, are they going to go out? You will say, no, they have no chance against Argentina. And Argentina is exactly the same. They could do the same. They could yeah. exactly play like a regular game, but with one or two teams, if they believe, one or two players, they believe, they will go to the final without... I haven't seen one good game about this Argentina team. And they're in semifinals. How is this possible? Exactly the same with Croatia. Uh, just a couple stats that jump out to me. Penalty kicks are the difference for this Croatian team. It's their recipe for success. I said it jokingly that all the things, Brilliant. all the nightmarish things had to happen for Brazil to fall flat on their face. It definitely looked like Neymar was at the club last night. Can't confirm or deny it. JJ Bench, I'm going to wait <laughs> for your article to come out. But Dominic Livakovic, this guy saved three penalty kicks in the last matchup win in the previous round to today, almost a mirror image of what we're seeing from the PK heroics from Emmy Martinez. Martinez didn't save PK's last game, but those solid goalkeepers in the knockout stages is going to make for a mouthwatering matchup, tactical matchup with Argentina. Luka Modric as well, a place that he goes for penalty kicks. One thing to keep an eye on, should we find ourselves in PKs again for the semifinals? Messi goes first, Luka Modric, 
each of the PK shootouts he's been involved in, he goes third. That is a crucial number in PK shootouts at the World Cup. That can tip the tide of momentum in your favor, or it can go against you for Croatia. What I love about Croatia as well, I don't think we're giving their back line. Dejan Lovic, the, the, the partnership that he's forming with Guardiola, this kid, you talk about the likes of Cody Gakpo and the price tag going up. This kid's price tag defensive player for Red Bull Leipzig that you can watch on Paramount Plus in the Champions League when it comes back as well. Part of a Leipzig team that is kicking butt and taking names. Not sure if we can still, uh, if we still have to hold back the reins on our potty mouth, but I will uh, put my seatbelt on just in case. Um, this is a player that I, I didn't think put a foot wrong in this World Cup. Only criticism I had was you see what happens when he is not in the right position. On the Neymar goal, Guardiola was caught in no man's land. It was a domino effect. It was when Luka Modric stopped running. Guardiola caught in no man's land, doesn't know if he should come out. Because he vacates that space, because he vacates that partnership with Dejan Leverin, that is the space that Neymar exploits. I expect Croatia to learn from that because Guardiola is going to have to play his best football yet to put up with the likes of Lionel Messi and Julian Alvarez. Guys, thank you so much for all your comments. Keep them coming in. We do appreciate them. Lots of, of you know very valid comments. Somebody even raised the possibility of seeing a rematch of 2018. Of course, Croatia coming up against France in the final. Mike, I love I love your optimism that we're going to avoid penalties. Has nobody learned anything about Croatia <laughs> and these mentality monsters from 2018? The amount of games that went to penalties on their way to that final, it was just incredible. Actually, I wanted to run one name past you guys really quickly because he stood out to me since the group stage and he's standing out to me now in the knockout phase he's somebody nobody was talking about before you know Celtic didn't particularly impress on uh, Paramount Plus when we yeah. saw them in the Champions League but Josip Juranovic to me he's one of the revelations of this World Cup because nobody absolutely nobody was speaking about him before the tournament and now suddenly a lot of the eyes of big European clubs are going to be looking at this guy thinking you know we could get a, a potential bargain here Lucho have you been have you been impressed by him very much, very much. Only 27 years old is in the, in the prime of his uh, career. And definitely a player who is he's got everything. I mean, he's got the pace, he's got the, the, the understanding of football uh, right there in the, in the right side. And um, a player who probably most of the clubs in Europe are... There, there's no many right-footed or, or uh, right-wingers or right-fullbacks um, that can add more than the, than him and there is no many in the market that's something that is very important to understand on these days uh, you can find wingbacks who can go up and down but defensively they are not that good and today he proved that he's a very good right back he's a very good winger and uh, he's got a fantastic technique and understanding of what is needed to be done in every single moment the, every phase of the game he knows what to do and I think that's something very valuable that's why they, I, I, I think that there's going to be a lot of, um, a lot of uh, um, teams looking after this because World Cup has got something. Of course, it's a fantastic um, uh, and important uh, um, tournament for the players that they will do anything that, he, that he has to be done to, to, to prove that they are the players to, to play in this World Cup for the country. But it's a fantastic exposure for the future. And I think uh, he's going to use that uh, in the next coming months to see if in June uh, or July uh, is going to be in the market to to for another uh, bigger club than Celtic. 
I see him finishing out his season in the SPL because that price tag is just going to climb more and more. Leave your buyers wanting more after a good World Cup campaign. When you put Vinicius Jr. in your back pocket like he did today, that is going to turn heads. In the last match, he was also involved in the Perisic goal for Croatia. A lot of good things coming down the right-hand side. When you have stability in the back line, you're going to give your team chance after chance to win games. Attack-minded fullbacks is part of the modern game. Another player who I think someone's got to go in for him is the goalkeeper, Dominic Livakovic. This guy is standing on his head at the World Cup. And I just wonder what's his team. goalkeeper. Jesus Mace. Christ. Is it you, you did you not see him today? Talk about him. Did you not see him today, Nige? Did you not see him today? I'm winding you up. Carry, oh, man, Carry you know, you know, you you know, you got me. Do the fish hooks. I mean, aren't, aren't United looking for a new keeper? <laughs> uh, we're looking for anyone right now. We're looking. We we got rid of the problem. We're we're looking for a brick wall. Yes, we are. But uh, when you take away the penalty kicks, the saves he made in the second half, extra time. I mean, this guy is for real. When he's doing it game after game. I'm becoming more of a believer. I'm not saying bring him to United, bring him to United, but I'm not just saying that for my team. I'm saying it for the game itself. Someone's going to put a bid in on him because he's got the right age and he's aggressive off his line. He's sure of himself. And when he makes a decision, there's no indecision with him. He commits. You see that same commitment in penalty kicks. He brings it for 90 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Now we're going to look at uh, Neymar and what's uh, to hold in the future for for Brazil and PSG star in just a second. But Nigel Rio Coco, first of all, wanted to ask you, Casemiro and Modric swapping shirts at halftime. How many times did you normally swap your shirts with an opponent? Like, was it surely it was just once <laughs> after the game? Or <laughs> yeah. Were you more of a pre-match uh, halftime and full-time guy? Uh, it was end of the game, end of the game, not halftime, but... I don't think anyone can have an issue with these two great legends, team former teammates, and I'm sure they were very close together at Real Madrid. And um, for me, they could do what they want because they're performing. That's the thing. So no one can really have any kind of uh, upheaval about this because they're, they're two teammates very close and they're swapping at halftime and they're both performing in this game so well. But I always swap my shorts at the end, sh- shirts at the end of the game. I said shorts, shirts. Swapping your shorts, oh, Nigel. Right. That's very risky. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, let's uh, we'll, we'll try and wrap this up quite quickly. Lucha, I'm going to come to you first. What next for Brazil and Neymar? We know that Chich is already going to be leaving as Brazil coach, so there will be somebody new coming in. Neymar has suggested in the past that he doesn't want to play another World Cup after this one. I think he's probably going to have to revisit that now. He's certainly hmm. still of the age where he can probably be quite decent. Uh, in 2026 I know that uh, Mike and, uh, and Nigel will be looking forward to him coming over to North America now where where no. do you stand on where, where <laughs> Brazil go next yeah definitely definitely he has to think about it uh, again I think he was expecting to arrive at least to the final and maybe after that he has retired from the, the national team duties but um, he will think about it again I think that um, he's a player who can continue performing. I'm not sure how the the uncles are at the moment because he's been struggling so much in the past few years with the injuries. Ment- uh, mentality is different, as I, I could expect. It's a different mentality that uh, Lionel Messi, for example, that the uh, offer um, or Cristiano Ronaldo. They are totally different mentalities. Uh, he's been through so many things from such a, a young age that at the moment probably is thinking about. Maybe listen. It's not the, my time anymore, and I could move on and continue doing my stuff. I think that his family and his surroundings has been working on what is going to happen after Neymar is going to 
end up his career as a football player. His uh, image and stuff, I've been watching a few of the documentary and him self uh, talking about it. So when you are talking about, when you are 29, 28, and you've been talking about what I'm going to do right after the, the, my career, that's, that means that in your head, very soon is going to be the time because I cannot even, I retired when I was 38. And I, I never, even when I was 37, I wasn't thinking about I'm going to retire. I'm going to think what I'm going to do when I retire. So that means the mentality of uh, Neymar at the moment. So we'll see what is going to happen. But this Brazil team needs to continue on the same direction. I think they got a lot, a lot of talent. Maybe they need a little bit of um, of experience on, on the team. Talking about the players up front, I think today uh, they show that um, they need a little bit more. But definitely the, this new transition of Brazil is looking very well for them. They didn't arrive to the semifinal, but they could have arrived. Uh, just because of, of uh, the penalty shootout. So uh, Brazil looks very strong, but uh, I'm not sure if uh, we're going to see Neymar in the coming uh, World Cup. Hopefully we can see it because, again, he's one of those players that uh, you enjoy watching on the field. No, no, no. Time to move on. It's done. Let it go. <laughs> I don't like it. It's time <laughs> to go now, Neymar, because I think if you keep Neymar again, you're going to stifle the progress of the younger players coming through. Because like I see the same thing in Portugal there is this dynamic of it's Neymar, it's Ronaldo. And these young players are not like young players like us, Lucho, when we were coming through. We weren't scared of nobody. We didn't care who you were. We were going to earn that respect and we were very respectful, but we weren't going to let you, because you're a big name, treat us like we were worthless. This generation is different. There's still too much worshipping of these Neymars and Messi. There's nothing wrong with that to a certain degree, but you've got to be able to hold them accountable. Keeping Neymar is going to stifle the, the, the progression of the young players they've got there. Brazil need to bring up the next generation. It's now time that they move on to Vinicius Jr. because he's doing the business at Real Madrid. It's now his spotlight and time to take the mantelpiece for this Brazil team. They've got other young players coming through. And I'd even be critical to say, when you look at the likes of Anthony and even uh, Rodrigo that came on, they're not beating fullbacks, um, guys. They're not the old Brazil that used to beat fullbacks and get to the byline. Now they're becoming very predictable. They get to the edge of the box, they come inside, and they want to play through you where, no, you've got to change up and mix it up. So I feel it's time you move on to the next generation. And I think Neymar's done all he can do. And I think he knows it's the right time to move on. Now, if he stays there again, it's going to be a distraction. He's not going to want to be a bench player and a bit part player. He's going to want the spotlight. And it's not going to do because it's going to be detrimental to the rest of the team. Yeah, let's see come Copa America time. Because uh, we see this in Latin America where the emotions of a World Cup dictate the immediate answer from a star player. Messi, how many times is he retired, unretired? I'm sad. I'm angry. I'm happy. Now we're in the World Cup semifinals. I think after the Copa America tournament, we'll know more about Neymar. I'm ready for a new coaching change in Brazil. I think that Chiche got it wrong. And I, I said it in the preview the outside backs, man. You cannot be having a knockout stage. You said it, Nige. Overlapping fullbacks. That is the Brazilian way it has been since their inception. You cannot be having your back line, a center back, playing right back. I know injuries were a cause of that, but you have a center back, Edermilital, playing right back. You have Danilo, right-footed player, playing left back. Alexandro, was he fully fit? Was he not? I think those things are going to cost Chiche his job. It's time to move on from the coach first. Who's the next coach? Who's the next coach? Uh, Lucho. <laughs> I would love to know. Lucho don't want to take yeah. that job. Lucho, I will no, go with Abel Fanella. 
I'll go. Know, it's, a, it's a it's a good question because you've question. suddenly got some you've suddenly got some good candidates on the on on the market. You've got Bento, who obviously did a really good job with South Korea. Heard some rumors that China were going to try and snap him up in order to to push their project along. We've seen a number of big names fail to do that. So let's see. Maybe maybe Brazil go knocking for for him. Anyway, uh, I wanted to redirect you guys before we get out of here to Wednesday's full preview show, where you'll hear the guys talking uh, ahead of uh, Saturday's big matches. Final thoughts, everybody. Body, Mike, I'm going to come to you first. Uh, you know, what are you looking forward to from Saturday's game? Because it's going to be difficult oh. to live up to the same level of drama that we've had here today. <laughs> I'm looking for who is going to be the hero and the continued heroics. Morocco, that Morocco-Portugal game, I think that is going to be tense. I think it's going to be hard. And I think we could see a surprise in the England-France game. But I haven't had my sangria yet, so I might change my mind. Surprise which way, bro? Which way? <laughs> I leave it for tomorrow, show. <laughs> Mom. Looking forward uh, to see, Lucha, yeah, Lucha, looking forward to see JJ if um, who's gonna play a front. That's something that it, it interests me a lot. It's gonna be ready the manager. It's gonna be ready uh, Fernando Santos to keep uh, um, Cristiano Ronaldo on the bench and allow Ramos to continue up front, or is gonna I don't know handle uh, the the key once again to Cristiano Ronaldo. That's here's 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 here's, here's one for you, Nigel. Very quick fire question: wow. If Santos does keep Ronaldo on the bench, do Portugal go all the way and win the World Cup? Yes, not, not rocket <laughs> science. He's a liability to the team. He's he, he's a detriment to the team <laughs> because he can't press like he used to. Again, I'm not taking anything away from Cristiano Ronaldo what he's capable of. He hasn't been playing at Manchester United. He's not fit. I've always said it. You need people fit and ready going in the World Cup. Why did Ramos come and score so so many goals and look so sharp? Because he's playing at his club. Not rocket science, lads. Keep him <laughs> on the bench. If he plays, Morocco win. I'm still backing Morocco anyway. And just to add to that as well, one of the comments that came in backed my picking for next Brazilian manager in Abel Ferreira. Well, and on that note, some uh, words of wisdom from Nigel Riococo. We are out of here. I've been Jonathan Johnson. Thanks a lot to Nigel Riococo, Mike Lahoud, and Luis Lucho Garcia. Until next time, it's goodbye from us. takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.